Gaming and BS, episode 207, coming to you Wednesday, September 5th, 2018. Welcome to Gaming and BS, tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Brett. You sound really... Light and bubbly there. Light and bubbly. Which is different. Light and bubbly like... Um, like an effervescent champagne. Ham and bubbly. What's that? Ham and bubbly. Ham and bubbly. Yeah, Saturday Night Live skit with Michael Buble and John Ham. Okay, you got me there. Don't know Everybody Google that. Ham and bubbly. Ham and bubbly, all right. It's quite hilarious. <clears throat> oh, good Lord. So, a uh, long weekend for us here in North America. It is a long weekend, specifically in America. Are you getting any cool gaming in this weekend or anything? No. No? No, that would be foolish. Yeah, why Why would you use these rare times off to get together with your friends? That'd be dumb. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think Hubs had a, like, a charity event last night. Yeah, I think he was doing, I lost track of what was going on there. It, I saw a post from from Hobbs and I uh, I missed it. I know I just got back from my weekend. I gamed Friday night, played the uh, Temple of Elemental Evil, the five U one that my buddy Elf was running. Wow! And then they ran the Star Wars um, D six game, which was fun. That's fantastic. I gotta make a new character for my Star Wars game, though. Uh oh! I didn't die. Didn't die. I, I walked no. him away. He retired. He retired. Yeah. Got tired of hanging out on the ship. No, he was doing really well. I mean, from what he was grooving on it, but the way everything is heading, there's no that type of support character is no longer required at all. It's not needed. So I'm like, no, he's not needed. I'm like, this is this is gonna be really fucking boring for me. Like, <laughs> like I could bring a book <laughs> if we keep going this way. Uh, no, I'll just I'll just bail. So is it a matter of just not needing a pilot? Is that the deal? Or maybe you don't have a ship? More or less, I don't need. We don't need a pilot right now. Oh, that's Kyle, Brad. I, I kind of feel bad for you, man. I do. You feel like, kind of we had a needed. really cool ch- ship too. It was really awesome. It was really really cool. What was the name of the ship? Uh, the John. Oh shit! I tried to rename it, but he made me. He wouldn't let me change the transponder. Jalenka or something like that. I see. I, I'm like, I don't like that name, so I call called it the Hard Luck. And he's like, you need to change the transponder. I don't care. That's what we call it. <laughs> so. Which is, of course, how we got tracked because one of the big right. ass bounty on our heads tied to the ship we were on. So, oh, what well, are you, you going to make? Out. I don't know. I'm thinking of um, might have to make a force user this time because of the way Ooh. everything's heading, it might go in that direction. I don't know yet. Maybe I'll make some badass assassin just to beat the crap out of one of the other PCs. Yeah, some kind of payback for them picking on my pilot. <laughs> <clears throat> all right anything else we good announcements yeah man the usual all right Q- qcc is um by the time you hear this on wednesday i'll be on the road to qcc on the fifth because that's coming up in the clark this first in the griswold family truckster exactly what's that what's that smell <laughs> what's that smell russ i have not you're gonna have those. a bonding moment with you've never seen vacation not in so long not in oh. so long 
Dude, that's a classic, man. I know. I should look, I should watch that again. Oh, you should totally watch it right before you go. <laughs> so I can you make all sorts bonding, of inside jokes that no one else will care about. That's bonding moment needs. moment with AJ. Yeah, that's what he needs. But we've got um, I've got some final prep to do for some NPCs I need to make tomorrow because you got a day off. Make sure that's all done and good. And uh, yeah, only have to be at work in the office one day this week. That's Tuesday. We're gonna show up. Act like I give a shit and then leave, <laughs> and then leave on vacation. So sure you're not going to be underwater. I better not be. Oh, fucking hell, it was raining again like crazy crap. Rain yesterday and today, and I think it's going to rain tomorrow again. And that's what they're saying. It's pretty sporadic. So, but they've closed a couple of streets in Madison. That trying were- to get from my house north to where I'm from up in the Wasaya, Central Wisconsin. Yeah, that took me an extra hour. Yeah, because I didn't realize. All the alternate paths I usually take were shut down. So I'm like, fuck, I had to go an hour out of my way and then get there. Pain in the ass. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's the world's biggest labyrinth. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I encountered. Yeah. Oh, I can go see this that. way. Oh, it's a no, long can't traffic. Do that. Can't oh, do that. Yeah, the street's closed. Gotta the best part up. is the locals sitting there watching the flood. They're looking at it going, wow, it's just flown by. And they see you pull up because they know you're not a local because you obviously drove down the road that's shut. And there's right. no signs in some of these back roads. Like, ah, <laughs> got another one, Harry. There he goes. Look at that one. Yeah, dumb shit. From out of town, he is. And off you go. It's great. <sighs> Did you get your Game Hole Con badge you set there? Of course, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I last year you were, you were last behind, year I, so now I'm... Yeah, last year I dicked it up. But I'm no, I got it. Yeah. I'm pulling a Sean out on my damn badge out. I got to get that bought. <laughs> Evercon.org, that's happening too. So we got stuff there, man. I, I don't have... Ugh. Nothing. Nothing new. This is random encounter. Do we have any random encounters? Anything? No, no, we don't have any random encounters. What the hell? Nothing. Nothing recent. Well, actually, no, that's not true. We could read the ones off of Google Plus. Yeah, you want I some? Can, you want to pull I it can, out? I completely spaced it. Well, if you pull up Google Plus in the last episode, that's where like Jared Rasher had some good comment on the last episode. Oh, very cool. I'll, I'll let yeah. you read that since you have it up. All right, just give me a brief second, which I could probably edit this in timing. But And I meant to put it in there. I totally spaced it. Oh, I've got it. Here we go. <coughs> Excuse me. So Jared Rasher wrote in on uh, last episode where we're talking about high magic, low magic, middle magic, breadth and depth and u- ubiquity of magic. And, of course, using Ebron as a touch point for all this. We had uh, Wayne Chang and Christian Toronto. From Manifest Zone on. So Jared Rasher wrote in and said, The discussion of high magic versus wide magic reminded me of another theme that tends to get confused with high and low magic, high or low fantasy. I'd argue you see most of the same number of supernatural things in Far From the Mauser stories as you do in Middle Earth. The difference is one of scope. Far From the Mauser never really rise above the local environment being at stake. Lankamar, Rim Isle. While Lord of the Rings is about multiple nations hanging in the balance. Is less about the amount of magic or the supernatural, more about the gritty versus epic. Westeros, or at least much for much of a song of fire and ice, <coughs> excuse me, has a lot less magic than Middle Earth, but even though it may feel gritty because of the number of key players that can die, the stakes are for entire nations and continents. It's low magic, but it's epic fantasy, like Lord of the Rings, we're seeing the fate of nations being decided. Something that never clicked with me with uh, Watsi's original marketing of Ebron. That, excuse me, that has really sunk in more recently is the assumed timeline being emulated. I read all the comments about Indiana Jones-style adventuring and pulp, but it didn't really sink in until more recently that if you assign a similar time for history, Ebron varies a lot from other D&D settings. 
I'd say the Greyhawk and Dragonlance are more medieval, and the Forgotten Realms is more early Renaissance, especially around the bigger, influential cities like Waterdeep and Baldur's Gate. Eberron is much more like a fantasy version of the 1930s, except the things you would expect in the time frame are all emulated with D&Disms instead of technology. I think I had a hard time parsing that, because usually when you see 1930s but with magic, it's additive. In other words, it's like the 1930s we knew, but also with magic monsters and fairies. Eberron is exact, essentially like the 1930s, if you said you must make trains and streetlights and zephyrs and all using D&D magic assumptions. Feeds into both the pulp adventure of exploring places like Zendrick and the pulp noir of urban mysteries like Sharn. It's not a perfect analogy, but neither is the medieval mindset of Dragonlance or um, Greyhawk or the earlier Renaissance of Fire Out in Realms. It's a baseline rather than a guiding principle. And I'm totally sure as someone that has had too much time to delve into the setting that people can tell me that I'm way off base. Good stuff, man. Yeah, Christian actually chimed in on that just to clear that up, mentioning that the tech level is actually 1880, is what he would refer to it as. Uh, tele- telegraph, not telephone, but the culture is more Renaissance. So, um, one of the other ones that uh, one of the other individuals that commented was Michael Phillips, um, where he goes to say, I'd go with the 5e version of Wandering Adventures over the original system. So, he just points that out because we touched on. The One Ring, Brett, at one point. Yeah. Somebody said, hey, you should get the One Ring. Uh, And then he goes on, I disagree with Baker's assessment of gunpowder. So in the last episode, um, you know, Christian mentioned it's not, you know, why get guns, why put in, um, yeah, guns in Eberron when you can just use magic wands. Yes. Uh, you have a very extensive educated class, incredibly active economy, since the lightning rails cost about the same amount as the interstate highway system per mile, except the cotton is bigger than the U.S. And while you can train people in magic, it still takes a lot of training where, as a uh, non-magical solution to the same problem, could be outfitted to regular soldiers and at our similar cost uh, as low-level magic items. In alchemy... In an alchemy positive world, the only real excuse for no gunpowder after a hundred year war with an active economy that is late Renaissance or older, I don't want gunpowder. Uh, so 5e doesn't need the ongoing treadmill of magic items, but lacking magic items altogether is a bigger penalty in the mid levels than it is in third edition. Why you don't need them for the two hit math. Damage immunity is still very much a thing, even with low-level creatures, and damage reduction is actually a bigger deal than it was in 3rd edition because it scales directly with how tough the creature is. Instead of subtracting a set number from the damage, it cuts the damage in half, which is great in the first 3 or 4 levels, but it's a much bigger impact than the DR10 and a CR10 creature might have had in 3rd edition. That's interesting. Oof. Yeah. I I would not I would not allow firearms in my in fantasy. In my fantasy in general. Like even if I played Pathfinder, I'd be like, nope. Yeah, I use firearms in Avalon. Rarely, but they're there. Yeah. They're fun. They make for they make for a neat little uh story points and so on. But well, the the setting is specifically designed to allow that type of thing. Yeah, I don't what even if, I mean, I haven't played in Avalon. Mm-hmm. But if you if you have guns, I would probably look at it quite a bit differently. Yeah. Right. It would just be a different feel for me. 
It, no, absolutely. And I know I have said that to some people like, oh, I don't like that. I'm like, but that's totally fine. You could read it and go, I like everything but that. And you could snip, take that out, and it really wouldn't hurt anything. Right. But it's just a piece of flavor. One of the things I think is interesting, though, to go to what Mr. Phillips is talking about, it always reminds me because I'll look at, I'll look at like 5e and say, wow, I really like these pieces, this pieces, and this seems simpler to me. And somebody else will look at it and say, actually, I don't think that is simpler. And they've got like the math to prove it, or they've got a totally different perspective on things, which is, um, which I think is one of the, <clears throat> one of the pieces that's really so interesting about any, not addition wars, but just addition discussions or version discussions, especially within something as uh, long reaching as Dungeons and Dragons when you say, is this version better or just, or how is it different? I think is, is the key. And what's interesting to me is sometimes I personally, when I look at how different the thing is, it's similar to what I, we were talking about. I think we talked about this in the show where I said, I was probably going to run Pathfinder at some point. You're like, what the fuck? And I'm like, well, my, my players love it. Right. Yeah. The episode we were talking about the character change, whatever. And that crunch is all player side because I, as a game master, the extra crunch doesn't impact how I prepare, how I run the game, or like it doesn't do anything to me. All the doing it to somebody is on the player side. Now, somebody out there looks at that and a positive says, but the way I game master, it doesn't work like that. I, I view it this perspective. And that, you know, I, I think that's absolutely legitimate. It's just there's there's something about that I think is really cool. Cause uh, I like Michael, I think, was had a really nice Basically, if and more people were to att- were to not attack, were were to say, "Hey, I disagree with Mr. Baker, and here's why." The way Michael did, I think this hobby would be a lot easier to get along in sometimes versus "You're wrong and you're dumb for being wrong" type of thing. So, thank you, Mr. Phillips. I appreciate the well thought out and articulated discussion. That's I think nice. uh, I think if you were to argue, if there's two arguments that would really start to. I mean, you could probably have podcasts dedicated to them forever. One is alignment. And two is economics in D and D. I think those two you could probably sit there and just debate that crap till the dogs yeah, come home. Exactly. Just, none of that shit makes sense. So you killed a dragon and you literally have two hundred thousand gold pieces worth of coins and gems. All right, what what's a loaf of bread cost now in town? <laughs> oh, good time. Yeah. All right, let's get to the main topic. All right, Brettster. All right, man. So last last episode on 206, George Sedgwick had written into us and talked about the precise moment of character death. I'll pull this out. He said, you want to talk about PC death. And here's what he's saying. The precise moment of PC death. I don't mean PC death in general. You've spoken about that before, as have many others. Instead, I mean the actual moment in the game when <clears throat> the druid drops below zero hit points and fails whatever save your life role is possible. What happens at your table at that moment? Do you let the player narrate his or her last gasp? Do you take the character sheet away and rip it up with gusto? Or do you let the player's sheet just disappear into that little dog-eared trapper keeper that they keep that they you know stash all the characters in? <clears throat> so I wanted to talk about this because I know there are some some games like um, uh, Dungeon World has the whole the Black Gates thing, right? In Dungeon World, if you die. There's like, hey, you're dying, and here's here's a method and a mechanic around it. So I know people who are Dungeon World fans are saying, aha, that's that's what happens at the moment of character death and so on. Sean, have you 
I guess, have you given any thought to this insofar as when your character dies, do you naturally, as you've grown up through the through the hobby, do you like, oh, yeah, I narrate how I die or I cast my last curse at them or I, I, I just die with a horrible look on my face or shit my pants and fall over? Do you think about this stuff at all or like, ah, crap, I'm dead. Give me my 46. I got to make a new guy. Yes, the latter. The latter? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much a, well, uh, this guy's bit in the dust. Time to roll up another one. Uh, what level? I see. Yeah. I mean, seriously, though? I mean, if it's like a huge, epic, blah, big thing, and you're going to fight TM at the end, and you're like, ah, well, I died. Let's make a new make a new tune. Off we go. Yeah. You don't want to have a big, curse you into the last generation of yours, and thus and such. That's not you, huh? Hmm. Um, no. I mean, if we've had some big battles against some big baddies and it's it's yeah. UPCs I, are just like tissue paper to you. It's done. Well, done. Yeah. Next. Yeah, I think it's a matter of you know, the the games that I'm in with the players that I play with aren't huge role players. They're just not. Like not not to the level where it would be that. I think that's the reason why it's not that huge a deal. So it, it's just kind of, oh, that fucking sucks. Oh, shit. Right. Oh, yeah. man, I was going to take a new feat next well, level. Yeah, it would be like, oh, well, I guess I'm, you know, I guess I'm freaking dead. Damn it. I think there's a lot of people that get really sour when they their character dies. Oh, I've told this story before when uh, when Connor died. And the first time his character died in one of my campaigns, <clears throat> he pitched a fit. When AJ's favorite first dwarf cleric died, he cried. Wow. <laughs> Tears rolling down his cheeks. I mean, he was like nine, but he's still like, he's. what do you mean he's dead? You you killed me. I'm like, ah, no, no, no. That's not how this works, son. So I punched him a little bit. No, I'm kidding. That didn't happen. That's right. <laughs> Toughen him up. Now, I think what's interesting is that when I play with kids... The moment of PC death is huge. I died. Yeah, I mean the sword comes in; it just cuts right through your shield, blasts through the chain mail, and just it takes you down. Even AJ's buddy Danny be like, "Oh, well, okay." When I die, can I like take a last stab at him just to try? Like in my dying breath, can I do that? Almost every kid I've played with who's like into the game wants to do something heroic as a last act. And you tell him. No, you can't I'm sorry, do that. It's not you're, the rules. you're you're not dead. allowed to do that. You're dead. You're, you're freaking dead. Like and you I can't rip his character sheet up, I spit on it. Well, that's going a little bit. And I far. throw it on my floor and just kick it a little bit. No, I'm wow. There you go. <laughs> so normally whenever that happens, I am <laughs> I am honestly so moved that any kid is that into it. I'm like, go for it. Right. Give give it a shot. And I'll give the kid a bone. I'll, I'll let it happen almost, you know, because I want the kid to have a good time doing it. And um, it's a lot of fun. But I, I, it doesn't happen. Like I said, it doesn't happen all the time, all the time. So I don't want to make it seem like every kid I've played with does this. But I've noticed that a lot of the younger gamers I'm, I'm with, if it's a big fight and they're dying, they want one last thing to do. They want to make it a big last thing, you know. As yeah. I die... I want to take the arm he cut off and beat him with it or something. You know, they wanted they wanted to do something big. I remember I do playing. Too. Sorry, I do too, ahead. but it, and I do too, but it never gets to that point. It never gets to that point. You no, don't. it's kind of like shit. Yeah, 
wind is sucked out of the sails too quickly. You're just too crushed by life in general. Like, whatever. Just one more disappointment in a long litany of professional and personal disappointment. Chalk it up to just another happy ending to a great freaking day. (laughs) (laughs) I come here to enjoy myself, and then my character gets killed. That's awesome. And you motherfuckers killed me. Thanks, DM. Punch. (laughs) Yeah. I said I was 120 feet away. I thought they could only lob, you know, something up to 100 feet. Oops. (laughs) Oops. Sucks. <laughs> now, when I played Amber Diceless, there is, it's been a while since I've read it, but there is a, you can curse. Like your last thing, you can pass a curse, like a blood curse, onto your foe, which is a horrible th- thing to do. I thought you could swear. Oh, you can do that too. You oh, can okay. motherfucker, and then you yeah. die. <laughs> yeah. um, but you could curse them. Um, Corwin in the Amber series does that, which leads to a huge chunk of the of the first, uh, the first Amber uh, novel series of you know bad things happening, but you can in that game. There's a there's a piece of it that says you can you can curse people and things and stuff, and it has a l- legitimate impact. Well, the biggest things I've also had players do in that last gasp. Almost every time it's been they want to narrate it and they want to do something. They don't want to like just die and like oh I gasp I flop I arterial blood spray I you know do this and my gun goes flying across a room or whatever. They want to do something like one last action this is what I've always encountered. Personally, when my characters die, I'm, I do tend to take it much like you do, Sean. We're like, Oh, well he's dead. That sucks. I, I and then I just <clears throat> start thinking of the next character. Cause it, I don't get as caught up into the, uh, I like to role play my characters to a point, but I don't get as caught up into what do I do at that moment? And I, but I think it's really cool when the players that I've played with do that. Like if they're playing a wizard or somebody who has some kind of power thing, right? Whether it's, you know, I want to, when I fall and I die, can I snap my staff of the mad guy as I fall? Can I do that? Yes, yes, kaboom. I want to do that. Oh, as I, as I keel over, I want to land on my potion of fire breath and see what that does or something. Where I hit the self-destruct button on my power armor or, or, or the spaceship or whatever it is you're doing. You want to go out with a big goddamn bang. Because it's not very... At least in some of those games, it feels like it's more more fun to go out big than to just with a little soft whimper and you flop over dead. Although that can be incredibly dramatic too. You know, the huge tough-ass paladin. Shock! Arrow through the eye. Collapses to knees, falls over. Not a word. That's shocking as fucking hell. Because <laughs> you know, sometimes the player's like, damn it. And it could be like Sean going, damn it, got to make a new character. When the rest of the table's like, holy shit, what the hell just happened? I had one of those happen too. Did you? Yeah, where the rest of the players are like, holy shit, man. Yep. Oh, and them's the breaks. Now, does it, do you notice that depending on what, Kind of that moment of death, how you die, do you notice, does it change the way the other players around you? If you're GMing, do you watch the other players change their approach to everything? Well, I think there's a moment where the reality of the situation, I think, hits them in the face. Okay. Like the, (laughs) because I just killed a recent character, my buddy Joe. uh, (laughs) Ah, Joe. Yeah, his gnome took one for the team. Poor little bastard. Oh, Everybody kind of looked around. I'm like, well, at least y'all have two characters each, right? 
But did they did they change the way they played? Like suddenly they become way more conservative, like for the next for the next hour. Well, they definitely were like, "Holy shit, this is like a serious, serious trapped, like little temple that we're in." So they wanted to ensure and evaluate the situation so that they could best approach it because if they didn't, another one was going to take, take a hit. So I don't, I don't know if they were overly like if they changed to be more cautious because of that, probably a little bit because they were still being cautious. He just happened to, he just happened to step on the wrong stone. You know, I've talked about this before. Like when you, when you, when the bad guy or whatever is outright just one hit kills an NPC party member. All right, says the ancient guy. You're oh, down in the street here. You're holy crap! He killed Dimmy. You know what's that about? Oh my god! This is dang- then they become nervous. Right? Death is like looking you in the face at that point. Do you ever have players um, that want to do the whole narrating last gasp as I fall? I cast my lightsaber and and you know. Cut the cut the door open and space this fucker. Do you do you have people do that? I think I have in the past. Um, I can't remember. It's so sp- boring. You don't even remember that. Crap. I can't. <laughs> Such a distant memory. Nobody <laughs> dies. That's the problem. There isn't <clears throat> enough character dies. death. Yeah. So you just not you just you damp that up, man. I know. That's why. I, but I'm running now, so I'm. It's a whole new. It's a whole new era. So people are fucking dying. It's no matter whether whether the rules call for it or not, god damn it. Tomb of Annihilation. Go ahead, you know, do your uh point by make two characters each. Because I don't want any complaining when one of them dies. Grind, grind, grind. Okay. I mean, so I think in the past I've had people say, Hey, well, as you know, that happens, can I can I do this? Do you allow that when they ask sure. you for that? Sure. Well, I mean, as long as it's within reason. Okay. I mean, if they're tossing something or they're going to, you know, one last breath, <clears throat> try to hit the, the thing kind of as a simultaneous attack, because I know that if they do hit, it could probably be the end of the monster. Yeah. As I get shot, I flip the I flip my Uzi over to my companion whose weapon just jammed. Right. Right. I want to do something where the my gun goes to you, Sean, so your character can keep fighting. Well, see, I wouldn't even make it that dramatic. I no. would probably say, like, okay, as you're hitting the floor, dying, out of breath, your heart stop beating, you have start to have an out of body experience, and the end is obviously there. Your weapon slides across the floor. Okay, so if yeah, they're dead, man. They don't get all these actions and crap. I'm, I don't know, maybe. So do you do you as the game master though? Do you like to narrate the that moment of PC death when it's like bam you hit oh fuck you're dead? All right, so this is what happens. Do you do that? Uh, typically, I would probably narrate that, like okay, because it's more meta, right? It's like okay, let me see, three d eight, okay, plus four. All right, thirty five points of damage. You know, roll reflex. All right, you didn't save. Okay, you take thirty five points. And then the player goes, oh, shit, I'm dead. Then they go, oh, shit, I'm dead. I go, okay, so everybody, as you see what happens, Ron, Ronda Lou, or whatever his character's name was, yeah. I, don't try to, I don't try to keep names in my head. Cause, yeah, it's like FNGs. Right, it's just, why it's put shirt. the effort? It's a red shirt, man. Why, why, why learn their names? 
Right. No, wait, wait till like third or fourth level when they've got a little bit, right? That's like people that start at my work. I don't remember their names until they've been there for about six months. Yeah. Once you bought me a couple lunches, kid, I'll know who you are. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you earn a few deals and you're not out the door in six months. There you, you go. Know? We can talk. I get that. I guess um, one, of the, one of the pieces that you just said is um, I, I think the kids have played with because we'll play a big, oh, my God, crazy one-shot type of game when I've run for AJ's friends or whatever or even at a gaming convention with, <clears throat> with younger people. They want to make it as, as cool as possible for that one one session. But I have noted that a lot of people, once they become attached to the character, some people attach to a character very, very quickly. You know, that first level character, they love they love her just as much as they'll love her when she's 15th level or 20th level or 100,000 points in or whatever. And um, a number of other gamers, a lot of the old grognard men and women and such will, you know, I, I played with some <laughs> men and women like, oh, well, well, at least, at least she was only tw- second level because I didn't put a lot of time into her yet, you know, type of thing. And um, so I think some of the de- – I, I have watched the player's desire to have more control over the death moment increase greatly as their love and connection to that character has increased over time. When you get when you finally get that, you know, 8th level, ninth level, 10th, 15th level paladin, you know, to the goddess of justice and you're like, um, I don't just want to kill over and die. I really want something because you've gone and lived and done. You want to have a bigger, more dramatic death scene. So I've had more players at that point want to do something special narrative wise. And I usually allow it because I, I don't see why not. Because when you say it's a situation, right? So if you're playing a classic D&D style game and you're buried under a ton, tons and tons, literally tons and tons of rubble, there's not a whole lot of dramatic you can do other than say eep. I mean, crush. You you can die the sound of your armor bending and twisting like aluminum foil, but other than that, there's not a whole hell of a lot of dramatic you can do there. So I think I definitely think that is as the situation allows or whatever does make sense. Have I mean, you? I give, oh, sorry, I've go. given the I've given the game master free reign. Like I told him, you know, I'm. I think I was. It was I was playing a druid, or was it a ranger? Can't remember. Maybe a ranger. Treelorn Greenhaven. Full of them over here, Brett. That's and awesome. uh, he, he, I said, man, I'm kill my guy. The game master was reluctant. You just said kill your guy because you're sick of playing with these assholes, or what? Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> no, not not really. I mean, I was sick of playing that guy, and I think I was moving on. And so, you know, I said, you know, you let me know how it goes down. I'm good. So I don't remember the actual ending. But, yeah, I like to have white wolf. I think think there's um, one of the guys, Johnny, um, John from Fear the Boot. Okay. Forgot John's last name, but he was always talking about how he never got attached to his characters, and all didn't have any problem taking that approach. Like he would, over time, just sacrifice his character. Just treat him like pawns in the game. Okay. Well, I mean, it wasn't every session, but I mean, you know, three or four sessions go by, and he was okay with with a, his character dying as part of the story. Yeah, I could see that. I was going to say White Wolf had a deal, I think it was in the 
werewolf game system where you you basically knew your moment of death. It's kind of like you'll know it when you see it. What happens, you know you're going to die. And the idea was it was this opportunity. I'm going to die now, so I'm going to fucking go crazy and do what I can do. And that's that thing John Wick has said ages back is it was one of his uh, play dirty things to players is like, tell the game master how you want to die. And tell that's them, the way know, I should have started session make it zero. Happen, make it happen whenever you want to. That's not a bad idea, honestly, to add in session zero. If your character were to die, how do you think it would be cool to die? And then catch it up periodically. If you died, how would you like to die tonight? Type of thing. It's almost it's a weird it's a weird piece, but when you give that opportunity and say, look, Sean, it's upon you. The great bears come out of the wilderness, the silvery claws. You're like, hey, this is the thing. Saw it my dream. See you guys. Blah! <laughs> what can sink your teeth into that moment and don't let go and just die with a huge grin on your face. There's something cool about that. Roll a Brett, roll a D10. Mm-hmm. What'd you roll? Seven? Eight. Eight. Okay. Well, when you hit eighth level, how does your character die? <laughs> you know what that works for? You know what What's that, that works for? Those characters that that embrace a certain destiny. Oh yeah. I mean, if you have somebody whose goal is to I will accomplish a thing, and if it's especially if it's questy based, right? It's all I'm on a grand thing, destiny, as you say. Yeah, yeah, I definitely would. Stern would, Bright I mean, Blade, man. Stern Bright Blade. Yeah. That sorry bastard. I'm going to stand here and have this chick stick a, <laughs> stick a spear through me. Crunch. Spoiler. Oops, Crunch. Dead. Yeah. Oh, you used to be my friend, too. It was a friend of mine that did it. That made it great. Yeah. <sighs> roll a <laughs> D10. Me. Yeah. Give me, your, give me a roll. Six. Oh, at six oh, level. I rolled a one. Six. So at first level, son of a bitch. <laughs> well, what's you don't even have to tell him. Just, just say, okay, you got a six. Let me write that down. Okay. All right. You. So when your character dies, yeah how how do you want him? To how go would out? you how would you like him to go out? Blaze of glory, calm and quiet, sobbing. What level are you? Oh, I just made six level. Got it. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, this could be like <laughs> two months down the road, right? Three exactly. Months, six months. Bring it back up. <coughs> so Remember that die roll you had. Have you ever? Ago? I we said that. When I first read George's comment last episode, I mentioned this. I had done this in the past, and we used to do this in my high school D&D group. The character sheet would get destroyed. The character's dead. Crumple, crumple, rip, rip, throw it away. You ever Have burn, you ever done you that? You ever burn one in front of somebody? No, died? I've never never burned them. But that was the oh, thing. Oh, we're we playing say, by candlelight. How convenient. <laughs> Have you ever ripped up a character sheet, though, of a player? As as a game master, let's look at it this way. As a game master, said, give me that. You're dead. I don't know if I ever remember doing that to any player or character. I think if I would I've, never do it now because it was incredibly insulting and mean. <laughs> it is like it, this, this ultimate dick move. Uh, See this thing you love? And you're looking at them and their eyes, their rage. It's just dumb. That's like poking a badger with a spoon. Why would you do I think, that? I think I'm going to start playing Adventurers League. I'm going to run that. And then when I kill a character, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> and see how long I can last running games at Adventurers League. It'll be the guy sitting at Misty. How come no one wants to play with me? <laughs> I'll be at uh yeah, I'll be at Misty Mountain or or I'll show up and a couple later or a couple I'll just come to the table and go, Hey, is anybody listening to gaming and BS podcast? No, no? what's that? Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> nope, no, never mind. Don't worry about it. Good. I hate and, those guys. And, <laughs> and don't start. Yeah. 
You don't have to start either. No, I wouldn't either. And if you do, don't listen to episode 207. I'm just saying that right now. 207's <laughs> off limits. Start at one, work your way forward. By the time you get to 207, you'll be dead. I'll be ripping your character sheet. Good times. Do you, so this odd thing, do you keep character sheets for dead characters? Do you ever, have you ever kept them? You know, I, I have character sheets. I don't know if any of the ones that I've kept are dead. I think they're all alive. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think I keep the dead ones or if I write on them, I, I put the big old stamp deceased on the top, but I don't, I don't, I don't, Hey Brett, I yeah, you don't live in the past. My characters really don't die. Oh, just, I mean, I, I don't, sometimes I just don't run into that oh, okay. majority of times. I'm just, I don't know. I had, um, I had just a spate that, of horrible good. luck in a buddy of mine's first edition game with a big group of us playing. It was very high level and I kept getting slaughtered by Accident, bad luck, bad die rolls, and party members. Party member. Yeah, that was good. They would call lightning or fire or something, and I would always be slightly within the blast radius. I oh, yeah, I love 15, that. 15 minutes. 15 minutes. I looked at Andy and said, Andy, you killed me. I was, ah, sorry about that. <laughs> you fucker. I stopped, naming, I stopped naming the characters. I started calling them old number six, old number seven, old number eight. Yeah, I just it was a horrible... It was horrible. It became just a joke. I couldn't roll. I couldn't make a saving throw. Uh, that campaign was just, I rolled dice like a Kelly. That's what happened. I just could not. It was, I had your dice skills at that point. It was terrible. I get it. I get it. Maybe that's why you don't get attached to your characters, because you can't roll dice. Nor can I, honest. Truth be told, I'm not that good at die roller either. Well, having said that, the party usually carries me. I'm usually uh, rendered ineffective pretty quickly. Oh, D20 system. Sweet. Let's roll these suckers. I think the other day, I am not bullshitting. Well, Savage Worlds we played recently. Shit, I don't. I think I got dealt. I mean, I did I did have some exploding dice, so I didn't have any problems there. But initiative, I don't think I hit anything above a five <laughs> for initiative. And, it, and so for people that haven't played Savage Worlds, you play with a deck of cards for initiatives. So you're talking wild cards and aces all the way down to deuces. And this guy didn't even get above a five in like six rounds. So everybody's going before, thank God everybody else before he was hyper competent. <laughs> uh, torture. So do you think, to kind of go back to this, if you were to look at a, is that something you think you should start doing or should, is that like a good practice, do you think? Like what, the, ripping, hey, like, ripping characters? Not in ripping up character sheets. Go back, <laughs> go back further. That's a terrible practice probably. Um, but the whole kind of let the player narrate the last gasp, allow them to do one last heroic thing. And maybe in a in a noir game, if you were playing a hardcore, hard boiled, even a Cthuloid game, no, you're dead. There's no last gasp of anything. The Shargoth eats your head. You're just done. <laughs> Where in a Cthulhu game, when you die ignominiously, you just cause more sanity lost to everyone around you happen to see it. There's nothing heroic you get to do there. Anyway, do do you think there should be the death should be? Is that a thing we potentially should lean into a little bit more? that moment of death making it kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I think it would suit the moment depending on what that looked like. So one of the things that would I mean, okay, so it's combat. All right. Him go out with a bang. That's fine. But it would be classic if, if they were poisoned or something, right? They slowly died and the person that administered the poison sitting there looking over them. Yeah. Have them be able to say something. But, Final cutting remark or something. Yeah. 
I'll tell you when I have had that happen. I have found the players that want to do that embrace the death of their character a lot more. They get less sulky about it. Yeah. <clears throat> less less emotion, less actual person player emotion. Um even even AJ when I, when he was dying, he's crying. I'm like, "Oh yeah, I get I, you know, back when he was 9, you know, calms down." I said, "Look, here's the things that, you know, do you want to how do you die? What do you do?" And he got gave him a little chance to to talk through something. So he felt he had some control over that even to the very end. And it doesn't have to be much, right? I could see some some hardcore um, old schoolers are like, no, you're fucking dead. You're dead. You know, your character, just let it go, man. You're dead. But there can be something cool like, all right, so you know, you get the arrow shot. How do you die? I take it right through my left eye. I turn, and it looks like I'm winking as my character falls to the ground. Even if you want to make a, a comedic way that you die or something interesting, giving the player an opportunity to – It might not, and this might not be for everybody. It, just, it seems like it would be cool if that became kind of a stable thing like, hey – you're dead. Do you do you have any special way you die or any last thing you want to do? And some player may be like, no, man, I'm dead. I'm dead. Fuck it. Whatever. Give me another character sheet. And another player might just totally sink their teeth into it and hold on for as long as you let them. I think it might be worth it might be worth throwing out. I think it's kind of a neat idea to to do it more often. And as players say, hey, as I die, can I fall forward onto something? Can I land whatever? I I have had it in dungeon environments where the character's like, so I die. Can I fall down and kind of block the passage with my body so that kobolds can't get over to my friends for another round? And the other guy's, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Let 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 Brett fall forward because we could really use his body as a wall. <laughs> it's a bizarre quasi <laughs> how quickly people turn. But um, or even you know in in your space games or whatever you know you'll you'll be the one piloting it. You'll shut off all the um. Shut off all the air every you know everywhere except the one room where the players or well, the rest of the group is in. But you'll be willing to sacrifice yourself, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> I think it would be. Um, I think it's worth it if the player wants to do it, unless it's crazy, and every game group knows what crazy feels like because it's kind of you know you know when you see it in that setting. But I I think it's kind of worth it. I think it might. It's one of those pieces that when George brought it up, I didn't. I'm like, man, do I even think about this? And then as we start talking about it, and I was thinking about it ahead of the show, I'm like, yeah, actually, it doesn't really get planned or thought about much ahead of time. But at the moment, I tend to feel like I should give the players or the game master something to chew on with my death or my or the other player's death. Let them have an opportunity to say, hey, I want to do something with it or not. Other than Sean, because Sean just murders people's characters terribly. No. Like that poor gnome. Yeah, it was one in, I don't know how many, how long it's been since one took a bullet. So when, I guess the last piece here is I, I mentioned at the, at the top is like, you know, Amber has a big curse. You could do a curse thing. Um, and Dungeon World has, you know, the black gates when you die and so on. Do you, have you ever done that when you're dead? narrate kind of how the character dies or in insofar and afterlife perspective. <clears throat> and no. I, 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 the only reason I bring this up is because when I, I read about it in dungeon world, I was thinking about it here is that at that second, I have asked the player sometimes not even in a narrative perspective is that would you be willing in a classic D and D where raised dead and so on is very available. Would your character want to come back? 
and they mm. get to answer me once and they say, no, I'm dead. I would never come back. You can't, you can't res me. I don't want to be res. Done. It was like their final wish, you know, do they want to be resurrected, reincarnated, re brought back as a tree or whatever? They could say no. And that was their, their wish. And some players would say, yeah, I mean, if you get a chance to, if you could resurrect me, that'd be great. Then I don't have to make a new character. And some people are like, nope, you know, Billy Bob, the pilot has run his course. Doesn't need to be doesn't need to be brought back. Don't stick him in a back to tank. He's fine. He's dead. He's dead. Moving on. So sometimes even that component of it is having that player tell the other PCs, kind of like you do, in a way, oh, I'm dead. I'll make a new character. Telling the rest of the group, like, it's okay. I'm dead. And don't go through crazy ass heroic efforts trying to save my character. You know, as the bullets are flying, don't do that. Because <laughs> I'm dead. Save yourselves, right. kids. It's all right. Pretty so much. nothing else. I've 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 asked that question not so much from a spiritual perspective, but simply mechanically speaking, almost to say, would you if it's possible for someone to save you or go crazy heroic or bring you back to life some way, do you want that? And then I get that answer, and that's like their only chance. They, they can't renege on that question, right? I say, what do you want to do? Uh, no, don't bring me back. Then they're done. Have you ever done that? I have. Yeah, I've 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 died and said, you know, don't don't waste your time, big, kids. Yeah, don't make it a big deal and make it a quest and get me resurrected or any of that. I'll just re re-roll another person. Another tune. Did you remember the old um first edition character sheets on the bottom you had character Will? Yeah. I, hereby. I Stabby McStaberton do hereby leave all yep. my gold and thieves picks too. And we always in high school my next character. <laughs> <laughs> what would people would put in there? And then yeah. somehow that was supposed to be magically when you died, all that stuff just appeared on your next character, which was the weirdest thing in the world. But yeah, whatever. We were in high school. What the hell did we know? We used to we used to talk about like, hey, can I get that or can I get this? And then I would write it down. I'm like, okay, this guy. Gets all right. So if brain. I die, my plus three flame tongue goes yeah. to, you know, Ragnar the Dwarven Warrior. Right. Yeah. My cloak of elvenkind goes to the halfling. Fine. He gets the cloak of elvenkind. Right. <clears throat> yeah, we used to we used to do we'd do that every once in a while. Have you ever had people when they're dead do the they they die whatever and the other players come up and go, "Can I see your character sheet? What do you have on you?" Yeah. Which is a classic murder hobo thing. I strip his corpse. Yep. And I've had players get irately pissed off about that. Like, you oh, I used to irk the shit out of me. Yeah, I you pack of bastards. You just see me yeah. as just another sack of experience points. Really, freaking dicks ticking my damn boots. You're dead, man. You don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> Can I come back as a ghost and haunt these assholes? Give me a give me a roll. <laughs> give me a roll. Let's see if you can pull it off. If you roll a ninety-nine or higher on a percentile, I'll let you come back. Boom, 100. Oh, yeah, shit, says right. Game Master. <laughs> All right. So I think we beat, in the, I beat this one to death. Hey-oh. Um, so um, if you're out there as players or as Game Masters, what's your preference when it comes to this stuff? At the moment of character death, as a player, do you prefer to have some narrative peace power or something <clears throat> around it? Do you like to make it a big deal or, is it, or does it depend? And as a Game Master... Um, what kind of experiences have you had with allowing this type of thing to happen? So I think it's pretty cool. And a positive Dungeon World isn't the only game out there that has a mechanic around what happens after you die. 
or and so forth. So if somebody else knows a really good game system that Sean and I just failed to mention here that has a really neat little mechanical piece, let us know because that, that's always, if nothing else, I may not want or need the rest of the game. I might just steal that piece and slam it into my game as it exists. So we good, Sean? Yeah. All right, man, let's move it on. Die roll. Brett. I've got one. I've seen this a couple times I want to call out. So apparently a hot, dry summer has revealed some hidden archaeological sites in England. I, th- I saw another one, but I could not find the, the link to it. I think the same thing was happening in parts of Germany as well. But um, they had found like unknown henges and um, historical. They're, they're looking and kind of flying over crops and grasslands. And they're finding like a, a lost henge, circles, mounds, all sorts of things that are just buried underneath. And you can see it from way up high. It's really kind of cool the way it's being revealed geographically because of the because of the drought. So kind of upside to a drought, I guess, if you will. Hey, look, this really cool archaeological stuff. And if this drought keeps on, we'll be part of the, we'll be part of the exhibit. But anyway, um, I thought that was kind of neat. A link in the show notes. <clears throat> the reason I think it's neat from a gaming perspective is you take something like that. It's a natural event. Sean and I have talked about natural events, disasters and such to uh, make the gaming kind of cool. I, I see this as, you know, hey, this planet has endured a crazy drought uh, or a problem or they've got water shortages and you arrive there and then you start to find these things. We're in classic D&D terms, you know, oh, my God, there's the the lost tomb of King thus and such or Queen so and so is is here now or we think this might be it and. Next thing you know, you're digging in and you got chuds. So anyway, there you go. Sean, over to you. Svvland? Svvland? Svvland. Svvland. Campaign setting free to download demo. So if you're interested in taking a look at a different um, campaign setting, interesting. I think it's based off a more Scandinavian in nature. Um, whole crew's working on that thing. Pretty cool, dedicated website. Link in the show notes. I think that from this one here, they're going to go to um, a Kickstarter on September 4th. I okay. Think. 2018, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. It's a campaign setting for 5e inspired by Scandinavian myths. Kind of yes. cool. Looks kind of cool. Uh, second one, Burn Bite Playtest on Roll20 Begins. So this has got a plethora of individuals that have been involved with this. Um, it's a it's a game that Roll Twenty had commissioned like four or five people to work on, specifically to Roll Twenty. So it's kind of Netflix, but their game, right? It's their oh, their okay. public their kind of thing versus licensing something else. Specifically geared for their platform, their tool set, I'm assuming. Right, right. Cool. Okay, neat. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Jim McClure has been involved. I think Darcy Ross might have been involved. Uh, A few others that I will fail to remember everybody, but check that out. Uh, Third one, D20 Data Science by Cyberscribe. Link to the GitHub, which basically... Uh, Sly Flourish um, on Twitter posted it, and essentially, what is it? What it's come down to is the D and D five E combat effectiveness 
Um, Data science investigations into the mechanics of the world's greatest role-playing game. Yeah. So the conclusions... Oh, in, sorry, what? <laughs> the conclusions in a nutshell are initiative doesn't matter very much. Dun, dun, dun. AC and attack scores don't matter very much. <gasps> and number of attacks, damage, and hit points matter a lot. So if you're if you're numbers nerd and statistics and analysis is you want to min max the fuck out of that fighter, read your, this. Yeah, your thing. This is this is something to be to check into. Interesting. Uh and lastly, encoded designs and Phil Vecchione, props to Phil. He's gonna be launching Hydro Hackers RPG on September fourth, twenty eighteen. Very cool. Drive through. Yeah, I was surprised. I thought for sure they were going to kickstart it, but apparently. Nope. Bill's had a pretty good following with this. I had a chance to Origin, not just last Origins, but the one before when I went down with uh, Wayne Humphrey and Kev in Austin. <clears throat> I was down there. I got to play in Hydra Hackers, kind of play test with Phil and, and the crew there, and it was a lot of fun. So Phil's a good Phil's a good dude. One as a person, I, I like the guy, and obviously he's part of Misdirector Market Encoded. And all that good stuff, but I think he's he's got good chops as a game designer too. So I believe there may actually be some hard copies at Queen City Conquest. I may have to grab one. <gasps> so let's see if there will be any left by the time I get there. So I believe it's, it's a Power be, by the Apocalypse game. So it is. Yeah. So it is. Brad will be huge, defying danger all day I'll long. I'll be defying danger all day, nonstop. <laughs> Can't stop me. Defying the danger. So if you want more information on Hydro Hackers, they've got a pretty good. Um, page up at encoded designs that'll give you the the skinny so congratulations phil i'm sure that was long long coming not oh really, yeah hell shit dude's been working on that for yeah. three years i think has so, it been that long holy shit oh yeah it's a i mean chris and i were talking about um just like the avalon thing which is still the kickstarter coming later this year i think it's uh, it's later for december but <clears throat> you know it, it takes time the development process and banging things out and going through editing and all these different pieces it takes time and um yeah, two to three years is not unheard of from what I can from what I can see the further I dig into it. So pretty cool. No. All right. Well, what are we talking about next week, Brett? <sighs> I'm not sure, man. I've had a couple different ideas in my head. I'm gonna bounce a couple a couple of them by you and see if you uh, see what you think this week. But uh, we'll see what happens. I might be in a rough spot, so we might not be able to record Sunday. Just a side note: no one else gives a shit about this. Might have to do Monday because I'll be coming back from Queen City on Sunday. So let's look at Monday if you're cool with that. Yeah, I think that'll be doable. And I am a, I am flexible, Brett. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. So it makes me employable. It being does. flexible. Yeah. Being flexible. Showing up That's on time, it. being flexible, stuff like that. You know, adapted. Adaptive. Yeah, adaptive. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, uh, everybody. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. And good night and good game and all. This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.